0: college football fans welcome back to the college ball show he's marshall i'm chris and we're here to talk some college ball and it's pretty crazy looking at the calendar there's six weeks left five of the regular season and of course we have the conference finals the first saturday in december of course bowl season and the national championship semifinals and all that stuff but i'm saying as far as like six literally six weeks left of the regular season before we know it, the rankings are going to be out. So there's a lot to talk about. No doubt about it. Um, You know, there wasn't a rank versus rank, you know, matchup last week at all, but that didn't stop coastal Carolina from getting beat against Appalachian state. Something we talked about would probably be a, a really good game. Um, That also didn't stop. uh, Hold on. Hold on. Okay, Uh, It also didn't stop Navy from almost beating Cincinnati. Kansas had a 17 to 7 lead in a lead just in general. Very, very late in that game. We had a nine overtime game that we will be talking about because we have the new two point conversion rule. Um, that took place, and, and the, the game still went under, even though it had nine overtimes. Um, Iowa State got a big win, which was no shocker there. Um, and we had some competitive games. Even, you know, we knew UCLA and Oregon was going to be a very competitive game, and it was. My Miami squad finally pulled their head out of their asses and got a nice dub at home, 31-30. to 30. Um, So there was a variety. Wisconsin you know, beat Purdue. That wasn't an upset on the books, but 30 to 13 from Purdue coming off an Iowa win is, is pretty impressive. So there was some other games that we'll talk about. No, well, no doubt we'll break down week eight to begin with. Then we'll preview week nine. And we got some really good matchups. Michigan state number six, visiting Sparty Michigan state number eight, Michigan is favored, but by, not by a whole lot of points. Iowa and Wisconsin is generally a good game. Wisconsin actually now coming up that Purdue win is a favorite. Wait till you hear the over under Baylor and Texas. That should be a good game. Maybe my Miami squad can, you know, look good against Pitt and keep it under the spread or something like that. Old Miss Auburn's a great game. Ohio State, Penn State definitely lost some luster that, you know, we, we got to say that, but it might still be a good game. Who knows? Um, Ohio State's kind of due for a a mediocre performance because ever since they lost to Oregon and were, you know, really tight with Minnesota there for a while in that game, uh, they just been on a, a scoring spree in general um, and Fresno State, San Diego State, another good game. So there is a variety of great games. My Gophers, by the way, did get a dub. Um, so, yeah. Definitely a lot to talk about. Like I said, before you know it, they're going to have the first rankings out. And, you know, with all these top 25 upsets that's happened, we documented it, you know, very well here. It just goes to show you that this system that we have right now was way better than the system we had before. And I know a lot of people like to complain about, oh, there's only four teams. I mean, there used to be not even two teams technically, one against two. Then there was for a while, you know, the expansion happened. People are talking expansion. Let's hope it doesn't go over eight, but you know, tw- I just have it in my head it's going to be twelve, unfortunately. But um, this year's wide open, and that just goes to show you that putting out the rankings after you know a good two months plus is is just so much smarter. So you can really see the resumes, um, and even you know, a team that's unbeaten and a team that has one loss. Well, if that one loss team played a, you know, a better schedule, you can't necessarily fault that either. So it, it it's really showing up. I mean, it's obviously better than the AP poll at the beginning of the year. And I get it. Why not keep the AP and the coach's poll? I mean, the AP poll has been around since 1936 or whatever. So I get it. I'm not saying don't rank them in general. It's good for TV and all that. People see two ranked teams going at it. They're going to tune in, you know, casually. So we got a lot to talk about. before we do, if this is your first time listening to the College Ball Show, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope It Over Radio. You don't have to go to Block Talk and Rope It Open. and download the show there or listen to the browser if you don't want to. You can find this here College Ball Show. On the rope Dove Radio Podcast platform on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spricker, almost across the board. We're also part of the Grueling Truth Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord, or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. The best of live TV and on-demand no annual contract, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate Package, it gives you three free months, I almost said years, of HBO Max, plus you get to enjoy regional sports networks uh, with no additional fees, which is a big thing if you look around uh, the cable network uh, you know, landscape right now. And also, if you go to all the way up to the Premier Package, that gives you Showtime in HBO Max included. That's direct TV stream. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and bring in my co-host, Marshall. That was a little bit longer of a intro than normal. So, I'm going to let him catch up and say some stuff here. But what's going on, Marshall? How you doing? You know, for for not having ranked versus ranked on paper last week, college football once again just proves it's the best regular season out of all the team sports.
1: It did. Um there was definitely Um, I'm trying to figure out the word to use. When I was watching Oklahoma play Kansas, uh, it was definitely an interesting weekend, I guess, um, because I was at a basketball, uh, we had practice in the morning, and then we had a little bit of a coach's clinic. And as I'm sitting through this coach's clinic, which got done around noon, I keep seeing these texts about how Oh, Kansas is up on Nebraska, uh, or sorry, on um, uh, Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma hasn't scored yet. Uh, interception. Kansas about to score. I was like, what in the hell is happening? Like, I am I about to witness literally the biggest disappointment in Lincoln Riley's history? Knowing a man, I mean, this was a team who was I want, I believe, a 38 point favorite. So clearly. Oklahoma was hung over from some type of partying. Um, They were not looking at all at Kansas. And uh, so obviously, you know, that was just a game that wasn't supposed to be close. But we were getting glimpses again of how Kansas or excuse me, I'm getting these teams screwed up because Kansas football is never talked about on this show. (laughs) We saw yet again how Oklahoma just doesn't blow people out this year. Now, again, they're winning games, 100%. They have a very nice record. But er almost every single game besides their um, massive blowout to Western Carolina has been either a Good club, too, by the way. Good club. Very good club. They want you... Sooners fans want you to know that. Sure, yeah. So (laughs) um, besides whooping out of Western Carolina, who is an F... Uh, CS, um, you beat Tulane by five, Nebraska by seven. Tulane's one and six too. Th- Sorry, I keep cutting you yeah, off. They're one no, and six too. It's fair. You beat West Virginia by three. You beat K State by six. You had a walk off touchdown in a tie game versus Texas. You I, okay? You beat TCU by fifty two to thirty one. Whatever. Okay, and you beat Kansas. Pretty much with a a, uh, a touchdown near the end to make it a two-score game. So their record shows are eight and oh, Chris, but by no means are they an impressive eight and oh. Um and if not, so in this game, again, which no one expected to be close, it was. Um, it was ten to zero at half. So Lincoln Riley's offense was shut out in the first half, and of course you would expect Oklahoma to bounce back in the uh, second half and they did they scored 35 points but they were trying to ice out the game and they ended up and you saw actually one of the most heads up remarkable plays by that young quarterback Caleb Williams I've ever seen um it was Kansas was pretty much trying to make a I believe it was a, a fourth down stop and the so basically um, Oklahoma kind of ran like a. They hand the ball off to the running back, and kind of ran like an off tackle to the right side, kind of like a, a a sweep or a zone run. And the Kansas defense played the played the play perfectly, and the you could tell the guy was going to get stopped, and there would have been Kansas ball midfield down five, and the quarterback had the heads up to see his running back was not going to make the first down, and literally took the ball from his running back and converted uh, a first down. I've just, and Chris, in Chris and all my years of football, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that happen. Like to do The, the, the Jayhawks made a great play. They had two guys ro- tearing the sky down and just to have the IQ to legit, just, Okay. My guy is going to be short. Let me take the ball from him. Again, while people are attacking him, which, I mean, this could have resulted in a fumble, in a in a, a scoop and score six the other way. You could have looked like a massive idiot. But this kid, he, he pulled it off. He took the ball. Massive heads up. Of course, Kansas defense didn't expect this at all. And the guy got a first down. Then they end up moving down the field to score again. So it turned into kind of a, a little bigger uh, of a win than you thought. But, dude, I mean, first of all, Props to Kansas for playing hard. Like, you, you, it's hard to get up for games when you're one and five. And you, you got up and you challenged your rival. Um, but what a what a heads up! Again, I, I I mean, you and I have probably watched a combined I don't know over two thousand hours of football in our life for the the sport guys we are. I don't think I've ever seen that play happen in college or pro ever. That was just and in Chris in my head, I was like, well, it's a fourth down, and he he took the. I was like in my head, I'm like. Is that like an illegal forward handoff? It, it, in my head, I was like, is they, even the refs had to review it because they're like, right. um, is that is, is that process allowed to occur? And it was. But uh, credits Caleb Williams. You came in for a cold rattler. You won against Texas. Took care of TCU. You made this play. That dude is making quite a name for himself, Chris.
0: Yeah, and you know he was forcing the ball deep early uh, in the game, which you know. That happens. It happens to guys that have had a lot of playing experience. It also happens to young guys that have kind of hit the ground running. Like literally, um, he was really awesome through his first couple starts. So he, he kind of had a rough start to begin with. He threw this deep ball. That was like, you could see the, the, the running back was open for a first down, but he made some mistakes. That was a hell of a play. I'll say this. The only play that I've seen like it is, uh, Ed Reed at Miami, um, Miami's up in the game. It was during their national championship season. Miami's up in the – or wait, maybe it was the repeat year that they, they actually won it, but they didn't win it against Ohio State. I can't remember which one it was. I, I can't remember. Anyway, Boston College, they're up by a score or, or something like that. Uh, Miami is. Boston College is, 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 you know, getting close to the end zone. And there's a tip ball in this Miami, um, I think it was a lineman caught it and he's about to go down and Ed Reed stripped the ball from him, stumbled away and ran for a touchdown. So that's the only thing I can really compare it to, um, for being that clutch of a play. And like you said, that heads up of a play and that ultimately did help him, you know, in general, but dude, You're right. It would have been. So it would have been as far as FBS teams playing each other. It would have been the biggest plus thirty nine. And that would have been the second biggest overall because Howard, as a forty five point underdog in 2017, beat UNLV. That's the biggest one. Now, the second one, which it would have beaten, is a thirty half thirty eight and a half point spread. That's when Stanford beat USC. I had to say it. I apologize. Oh, I, I Syrac-
1: expected it.
0: I Syracuse, it was <laughs> Syracuse beat Louisville as a 36 and a half point uh, underdog too. But that they were up 17 to 14 heading into the fourth quarter. And another funny thing is sometime I think around half or something like like after half. Oh yeah, it was it was they were up seventeen to seven in the third quarter. They literally said, look it, there's they, they announced on Kansas Radio Network that the, the, the gates are open. Come on in for the second half. We don't care that you had, you don't have any tickets. Come on in, fill the stadium. So I thought that was actually pretty cool. And I'm sure you know, if I was especially, you know, if I was close to the stadium or, or when you're younger. You're like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. You know, so they actually stormed in there. I thought that was a pretty cool thing, uh, you know, for them to do. And that it shows you where they're at as a program, too, when they're like, hey, dude, this could be a huge upset. Do you want to witness it? And yeah, man, I mean, Oklahoma got, you know, slipped by, got leapfrogged by Bama. People are freaking out. And, And obviously we're talking about the AP poll, which actually doesn't you know, technically count, but they are just barely skimming by. Um, they just, they weren't playing good at all. Like it mentioned, um, they gave up, you know, I mean, a lot of yards early, especially on the ground. Um, and, and yeah, man, they're, they're sneaking by sneaking by, but it's, it's, you know, they still got some good games on the good teams on their schedule And I just don't know, you know, if they can actually make it through. I really don't know. Speaking of, you know, speaking of Iowa State and Oklahoma State and all, you know, those are games. Oklahoma State, uh, you know, maybe because they're not unbeaten all of a sudden could get some pride going and all that and and have nothing to lose in that game. Um, You know, not a huge surprise, but Iowa State did just beat them. I mean, Sanders play, I gotta, I gotta admit, like I said, oh, you know, we said it came down to quarterback play and, in and, and, and Purdy did play pretty well. They didn't run the ball all, you know, like at a high rate per se, but Sanders played pretty good. He had three touchdowns through the air. Um, it was a competitive game, obviously, uh, time of possession, no turnovers, but time of possession was huge. And, you know, holding Oklahoma State to a 10 on third down was huge. There was also a 0 for 1 on fourth down. But Iowa State got a big win, which, uh, like I said, is no surprise because sometimes, you know, it's like they'll lose games they probably shouldn't. But then they'll turn around and beat Oklahoma last year, you
1: know. Yeah. And somehow, again, I I've. Said pretty much every episode this year on the podcast that Brock Purdy has not really progressed as a quarterback in his years there. Um, but he uh, apparently October is his month because the guy is not lost in October. So now that we're about to split the calendars in November, I guess we'll go back to fading Iowa State. I guess that's the way to play that system out. Um, but I'll give credit for the win. Uh, that pretty much was a back and forth game the whole way. Um, it also, if you had on SportsCenter, you literally saw a coach maybe die of a heart attack because there probably was the worst ever um, taunting call I've seen in my life. Oh, maybe my, my God. Life. I'm glad you brought that up. That was ridiculous. I mean, and uh, aside from the game itself, which my be this 1950, down, you know? I mean, y- y- so obviously now they made that new rule in college football about five years ago to where if you're show voting going into the end zone – that cancels the touchdown and nullifies your touchdown basically to, to what my eyes have. And I, I believe I have pretty good vision at this time in my life. A guy did about a Dion Sanders, uh, did like a, a small like high step for like two to three yards, like kicked his feet up a little bit, kind of like a little gallop of a high step at best. And on like the five yard, like just did a little like Dion prime time, like mini half stride up. and. It threw a flag and I because I, I, I was at the mall with my girlfriend. So I'd heard this and I was like, all right, well, I got to see this call and to see the reaction of the coach. I can't blame Matt Campbell. I would have lost my mind, too, as a coach. Like it literally was the worst. There was no um, turning around like Tyreek Hill waving. There was no like uh, cut the neck, like throat thing like there. There was from the, like he, there was no player near him it was probably the worst taunting call I've ever seen now for the sake of the football gods they did score four plays later but think if that think if you lose that game and let's just say by the grace of god that following play like there's a a pick six or a fumble or you know something fluky happens like if you lose the game and you look back on film and you're like well that was seven points like Again, I'm I'm not sure, honestly, Chris. Like I I know that umpiring any sport is hard, but I really don't know what the guy saw. And if if high stepping to like a 50% high step is taunting, then that umpire really is just completely misguided as to the call of the sport. That, if that ever happened to a team I love or a game I bet on, like I would lose my mind. So I'm I'm you know I'm ha- and I'm also happy the refs didn't throw out Matt Campbell because he had a right to be pissed. I'm sure the other officials in that crew were like, oh, man, he screwed that one up, you know, and you can't you gotta stick with your guy's call. But, yeah, that was hideous. Um, but credit to Iowa State. They've they've got their ducks back in their same pond after a pretty rough start to the year. Their defense continues to play pretty well. The offense still has moments of, again, how a, a future pro running back was like 23 carries for 80 yards. It was a little bit fishy. But, uh, hey, they got a win. Um, and even the Oklahoma is Undefeated, I would still, I couldn't go out and say that they have this Big 12 wrapped up because, as we've said, Oklahoma keeps playing with fire. Um, and there's other teams in this conference that could still find a way to win it or make the Big 12 title game a very, very interesting uh matchup.
0: Yeah, in Oklahoma, they have uh Texas Tech, but then they have Baylor ranked,
1: they have um
0: Iowa State ranked, and then Oklahoma State. That's how they're they're closing down the regular season so yeah to your point you made a good one it's it's still wide open it really is Uh, it doesn't seem like that or whatever but it is it is and they still have the conference final which you know like you mentioned they didn't have that a little while ago but you know this season might be a prime example of why they need it so there's some other games that we'll talk about recapping you know this week but Let's just get to the elephant in the room. Penn State, Illinois, Illinois beats Penn State in a nine-overtime game, right? 20-18, nine-overtime game, and it's still the, – the over-under was 45.5, and it still went under, um, which is just ridiculous. Uh, but obviously we know why. Um, you know, it was a tie ball game, obviously going into overtime. Both teams kicked field goals twice. 13, 13, or it was 16 to 16. And then it goes into, you know, it goes right into two point conversions. And this is the new rule that we're not used to just yet. And so it catches you by surprise because you're like, now, wait a second. What, what's the score and how do? why, what's going on? It it, it definitely, you know, threw us off a little bit because, you know, ever since that A&M, LSU game that was seven overtimes. Um, there were a lot of injuries in that game. Um, you know, obviously football is a physical game. Technically Clifford got banged up in this game. Couldn't move all that well in overtime. So, you know, you're never going li- to, li- you know, but you can limit the injury. So I get some of that, but uh, they went right to the two point, co- two point conversions. And I think it was on both sides, like, eight or 10 attempts that they failed. And it's funny because if you look at the two point conversion, you know, it's actually not as easy as people would think on the surface. And like the conversion rate is not like, you know, 90% or something like that, or 88% or, you know what I mean? It's actually not crazy high. So, um, I get what they're doing here, Marshall, but it just feels like, There's got to be somewhere in between rather than – because it's starting to feel like the hockey regular season after an overtime and then you just go to a shootout or or same with football, soccer here in the States. And I don't like to decide something like that, especially, you know, we talk about the NFL only having 17 games. Well, obviously it's shrunk here and and literally there's six weeks left of the regular season. So there's got – it feels like there's got to be – a halfway point someplace
1: in there yeah and i'm not sure again what the answer is but just seeing teams um you, you'll go like four overtimes your and either team makes a two-point conversion like maybe you deserve a tie if you can't you know if you're gonna go that many times in a row without scoring um, I know we were talking before the show, maybe after the first two overtimes, if you're tied up and again, I'm, I'm all for making the game a little bit shorter for prevention of injuries and whatnot, but maybe have everyone start on the 10, like at least then you're still having a, a football concept, not just going from the two and you're, you're shortening down the time frame, but you're still keeping together um, just kind of the main gist of the sport itself. So I'm with you. I think to see nine overtimes and to see like seven of those nine overtimes result to no points, it's like, well, that, that just doesn't sound like football. And there's one thing I do love about college football is that it, it the setup itself is a, a beautiful thing where you both teams are on 25 and, you know, you're hoping to win the coin toss and go on defense first. Like I love the college football overtime itself. So I, yeah, the, just to see nine overtimes and see all the goose eggs, it's like, well, uh that, that that ain't that cool. And I Pick just it say, up yeah, at the 10, maybe, short in the field, give them four downs, yeah, uh, you know. Something, somewhere yeah, in between. Yeah, somewhere in between. Or maybe, like I was telling you also, maybe uh, bump back the extra points. Like, maybe you got to kick an extra point, but the extra point's from, from 40 yards away. From the pro range. Um, there's, there's no, because I I promise you this, there will never be nine overtime games in college football. If you want to trot these kids out and have them make 40-yard kicks, oh, there would be, there'd be shanks left and right. So, yeah. Um, But for the game itself, like Penn State, like what happened? Like, you know, the, the, uh, that was a game you were around, I believe, a 12 to 13 point favorite. Um, Illinois' coach Bielema, I guess, it worked out to be a positive, but he like blasted his team like big time, like literally called out his players like over the top. I guess he got a response from them, but that definitely was a, a poor performance against an Illinois team who's had a couple of moments, Chris, of some positives throughout the season, but they're nothing really to brag about. So that was definitely a, a letdown spot for them. And I'm not saying Penn State was gonna go gonna go out to win the title this year or anything, but um that wasn't definitely an upset. Um and I guess whatever uh coach speak was used was uh spun in the right direction for um for Illinois to bounce back and win that game. Um, speaking of coaching, I just want to get to this quickly because I, I sadly suffered through this, Chris, I, I'm not sure if you saw it. But I was watching the uh Colorado State uh game on Thursday night, this past Thursday night, and it was a game I, I live bet Colorado State to win. And they were playing Utah State. And with the uh Colorado State was down two uh after forcing the punt with like about a minute to go, and they started moving down the field. I'm thinking, okay. Let's get a let's get a game-winning field goal, and I'll walk out the door happy and win some money. Um, so at there it was uh, it was fourth down, and they converted a nice a nice pass over the middle. It was like fourth and twelve. They make a nice play, and there was about thirteen seconds to go, Chris. Okay, so you you get a first down. They're on you're on like the twenty five yard line. You have like thirteen seconds to go. You have no timeouts. Okay, now what in your mind? would you expect to see your team do if there's 13 seconds left, you have no timeouts and you're on the 25, what do you think a regular team would do in that situation? I would punt. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, What would your other team do if you're down two with 12 seconds to go and you're on the 25, getting ready to score? Well, what what does football tell you, my friend? I'd say kick a field goal. Sure, but now would you would you rush the field goal team out onto the field, or would you spike the ball and then just kind of get them out there with the forty second clock?
0: I would spike it so then you could not have to run out there and have to, as you see, like six players running to the sidelines, and and right then and there that should have told you, hey, this isn't this is kind of rushing it. Oh, so what? So they literally the <laughs> quarterback touching oh, calls. On Especially in college. Williams. We're not dealing with, you know, it's bad enough in NFL kickers, but college is a whole different, you know, cup of tea. So the quarterback
1: is under center. You can see that he <laughs> wants to spike the effing ball, but linemen are switching places. So yeah, you can't do he it. Can't, It'll be a penalty, he, he, which knocks yeah, he, you back. Or and maybe, you know, sometimes those live game penalties with under amount of time, that like, could be a, a, a clock runoff. I'm not sure Fun, exactly, runoff. but nonetheless, oh. you know, Something bad could happen. So the quarterback is like, what the fuck? and so then <laughs> you see him start waving people, but then they're literally the whole special team's lineman come out. So then the quarterback has to run on the field. And at this That's point in my head, I'm thinking coach, you I think, isn't that? Because
0: wasn't he the one
1: saying get up? Yeah, the well, field? I, yeah I, I believe the I believe the special teams the coach idea was okay, so when we get a first down, we have to rush out onto the field. But again, if it was fourth down already, you know, if you convert the play, you have time. Right. So they rush on the field. And of course, in my head, I'm thinking you got to be effing kidding me. And you just <laughs> knew the kicker was, you knew the kicker was going to miss it because he never really had time to get set. Yeah. So they would rushed him out there. Again, I, I think this had to be, it was around like a 38 to 42 yard kick, like easily makeable. But of course they rushed, they rushed the line out there to finally get set. They snapped the ball and the kicker shanks it. And I, I lose my bet. And I was just like, so I, I literally text my boys. And I was like, OK, so you, you're not going to believe what just happened. Um, So, yeah, that that one was a that one was a, a tough one. Um, That's just very. And again, well, hell, I live in Dallas. The Dallas Cowboys maybe have the worst clock management coach in the NFL. So I know that there's a lot of coaches who get paid more money than Colorado State does. That's screw up, too. But, yeah, when your quarterback's about to spectacle, I'm like, all right, cool. And all of a sudden I see this chaos. And I'm like, oh, F me. And it, it of course he missed it. So that was my uh rant for the week and uh what was a very, very poorly planned uh special teams play.
0: Yeah, I think I remember the head coach looking at the special teams like what the hell are you doing? Because once you say, Hey, you gotta get out of there, of course the you know it's it's these guys gotta run if the co- the coach told sure. them to do. You know, yeah. I mean? So yeah, dude. By the way, in the NFL, and we're talking about NFL quarterbacks, too, and wide receivers and all, all that. And in the two-point conversion, the success rate is 49.4. 49% of the time, they get a two-point conversion. Just just to follow up. Also want to follow up, Chase Brown, the running back, is the first Illinois player to rush for 200 yards against the ranked team. Which is, uh, you know, that kind of adds to, like, the holy crap. Now, coming from... Uh, you know, I was going to make a transition from a low-scoring what-the-hell-went-on to a high-scoring what-the-hell-went-on. Uh, Army and Wake Forest were just on fire. The over-under was 53 points. Both teams hit the over, 70-56. to 56. Um, It was actually at half. Army had 21 points. This comes from Matt Brown. Uh, On Twitter, that was the most points they had scored on a ranked team since 1998. And then once they got to 35 points, that was the highest amount of points. They the most points they've done against a ranked team since they played. It was a win 45 to eight against number 18 at the time, South Carolina in 1958. So kudos to Army. Uh, for just hanging in there. And that was one of my upsets of the week for my prediction blogs. And I, it, it was kind of looking like it was going to happen there for a second. But that was a fun game. Uh, and Wake Forest now turns 7-0 and for the first time since 1944. It's reached the top 10 at any point, or it's never reached at any point and the best they finish is 18th. Um, It's kind of crazy as this goes on, right? So Wake, in 1944, the next team that beat their unbeaten streak at that time was number 20 Duke. Well, guess who they play this week? They play Duke. Kind of funny how it all comes around.
1: And just my last two um, fun moments to talk about as we wrap up the past week of college football – and I got to keep doing this year because who knows, they'll probably be better next year. But any time that uh, Dab with Sweeney loses a game, I'm going to bring it up because, hey, they suck this year. Clemson's an average football team at best. Um, they went into Pitt. Pitt won 27 seven. What does that say about Georgia? Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> um, Pitt may actually win the ACC this year. For They have as good of a chance as anyone does. They should. So, yeah, Pitt won 27-17. I'm sure those fans had to be happy because Clemson's beat up on you and the whole ACC for the past, almost appears to be a decade. So a nice win by them. And I heard the announcer say this last week when it was the Tennessee uh, old Miss game. This, and, and again, I might be crazy, Chris, but there's an outside chance, an outside chance possibly that if they run the table, my boy Lane Kiffin could sneak into the college football playoff. I'm not saying it's likely. But it is possible. Um, they were able to bounce back against, or no, I shouldn't say bounce back. They are able to beat LSU in what well, actually was a, a low-scoring game. Um, that's the second week in a row uh, Vegas has given Old Miss a massively high over-under. I believe it was like 77. Um, Old Miss beat LSU 31-17. to Clearly, LSU knows how to score on Florida, but they've had trouble scoring on other teams this year. And uh, maybe they had came off a little bit of a high spot, but hey, old Miss. I'll just talk about this for 30 seconds before my co-host cuts me off. But hey, you're you're 12th in the country. You have a pretty good resume. Your only loss you have this year is, is to Bama, and you still play Auburn this year. You still got A and M, and you got Vandy, Mississippi State. I mean, I'm not again. Who knows? But if they finish the year 10 and one, or a uh, 10 and one. They, right. they, they, they eleven. They might again. They're obviously not probably going to go to the, um, SEC title game because that's probably going to be Bama and Georgia. But it could be a outside backdoor chance, especially because there's not a lot of other teams who've been playing that great. So if my boy, man, the Chris three yeah. SEC
0: teams possible. You're saying they need Bama to lose to Georgia then. Well, I mean, you
1: know, yeah, you need them to lose yeah, another game. You, you, you need you need a little bit of luck here because obviously, again, yeah, Bama and Georgia have much better resumes, but it's, it's, it's a small possible chance. And, and Hey, and for Matt Correll, um a chance he does have that guy, great chance to win the Heisman. A lot of people thought he was going to take the game off because he ran like a running back against Tennessee, which isn't smart if you're a quarterback, <laughs> but nonetheless, he came out there and got the win. So good, happy for old Miss and USC. Uh, they lost Notre Dame and I'm hoping that we get a new coach in there that can turn things around. Cause um, it's just it's, it's a tough year for USC. And it goes to show that you should have fired Helton last year to rebuild this year instead of this year becoming just kind of a, a wash.
0: Well, you know who I hope they get? Urban Meyer is who I hope
1: they get. <laughs> Lord, I, I will, I, if they hire Urban Meyer or James Franklin, I will be taking a, a, a permanent leave of absence. I will uh, not the, watch uh, the
0: national championship game. Uh, with urban Meyer at head coach. Yeah. Okay. We'll see that one coming anyway. Um, <laughs> but you know, I could say
1: all that stuff, but it might be PJ Fleck too. So I shouldn't talk too much. Um, row, row, row the, row the, row uh, the Trojan horse in the stadium, row the Trojan horse. Yeah. To bring to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, man-made lake or not that you can row
0: oars there. Um, so Wisconsin showed a little bit of life, not in the quarterback position, they threw eight times, five of eight. No picks, though. No picks uh, for for uh, Mertz, but uh, they had a double dip of running backs that just went off. Twenty-seven, buck forty-nine for a touch, and then twelve, a buck forty. Totally, almost three hundred yards on the ground. That was the story of the game, and we're gonna we're gonna look at this here and, and, and see. Wisconsin, you know, has a big game coming up and they're, they're not out of it. Uh, my Minnesota squad got a nice win against Maryland last year. They were up 17 points in the fourth quarter, ended up losing that game. That's also the time they didn't have a kicker because two, two of the, the number one and number two kickers had COVID and the third kicker who's like a walk-on had a hamstring issue. So he could only kick like 20 yards. He could barely kick off. It was horrendous, uh, but they ended up, you know, doing really well in running the crap out of the ball as well with, you know, they have their top two running backs out now. So we're starting to see some of this youth come alive in, in the depth on the squad. Appalachian State uh, beat, you know, a, a very, very solid coastal Carolina squad they they put up 575 total yards 347 through the air and 228 at 5.6 a clip. Um so that that was a nice win and we looked at that one and say hey Appalachian State's pretty good. They're not that bad. They're pretty solid and they've had a solid uh you know um uh, program for a while even before they they moved up. So that was a a, a big upset. Uh, A fairly sizable upset, I should say. Um, You know, uh, USC actually hung around with Notre Dame. Couldn't quite get it. Wake Forest, though, going back to that game, 70 points. They had the ball for, like, not even 18 minutes, and they put up 70 points. They had, like, 480-some-odd yards passing, and it was just the opposite for Army. They had, like, 400 yards rushing. It was pretty crazy. Like I said, Miami – showing a little life in a close game. Finally, there was some pressure from the AD saying, Hey, he's got to win some more games or he's going to be out another potential opening. Um, you know, for, for my guy flex. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Like you said, Pitt is really putting it in high gear and the crafty crappy pick of the week came through. We'll talk yes about sir. that. We always close the show with that. We're five and three. After back-to-back losses, started out hot, four and one with three in a row. That home team thing is just literally. I think if 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 the home team was just picked every time, it'd be it'd be an undefeated record. But it's five and three. Maybe this will be the road team week. I don't know. I got to see which one you
1: pick. And I would like to thank the uh, Instagram model I saw in the alumni battles to make me pick South Florida. I think convince you over the edge too. So whoever you are, that professional golfer model, uh, thank you for helping us out in our pick of the week. (laughs) (laughs) For week
0: nine, we have a variety of interesting matchups, Michigan and Michigan state, Michigan state's been sneaking by a lot of squads. We'll see, you know, and we'll also see how good they are, but we'll also see Michigan, you know, the quarterback, a lot of people don't quite believe in the quarterback in a big game just yet. We know they can run the ball. We know they can play defense, but can this quarterback step up? There are the Wolverines are a four and a half point favorite. Um, another rank versus rank old miss at Auburn. Speaking of your guy, the Ohio State and Penn State kind of lock, you know, lost some luster. Maybe, like I said earlier, that 18 and a half point spread, maybe uh the Nittany Lions can come out and uh just perform a little bit better than they have of late but we'll see how banged up their quarterback is. He kind of kind of, you know, if Clifford's not there, they definitely don't look as good. Um, And also another game, Iowa, Wisconsin, Texas at Baylor. Baylor's only a three point favorite. We got some good games here. What do you think of this? Um, Well, let's kind of double it up. The Michigan State, let's do the two ranked teams, Michigan State, and Michigan, uh, you know, going head to head, that's at 11 o'clock central at Fox. And then we'll go
1: number 10, old Miss
0: at number 18, Auburn.
1: I think for um, Michigan State, Michigan, I got to take um, Michigan. I just, I've watched this Michigan State team play and you have a super talented running back, a super talented wide receiver. But I saw those guys' talents show off against Rutgers, and the other games I've seen Michigan State play, their quarterback just isn't good, and their defense isn't that great either. So, I mean, they've they've been getting by, they've been winning games, but it's they they've been you know they've been doing it less impressive even than in Oklahoma. You know, it's just so sometimes in college football, your your win loss record can be, can be deceiving and. Michigan State really hasn't been pressed too hard, you know, against any like a, a extreme talent this year. So I think that that gets exposed. I think you realize that too by Vegas making Michigan a four and a half point favorite in in Spartyland. Because I mean, yeah, you. So if you're Michigan State, you beat Northwestern, is having a down year. I guess their, their best one so far is against the Hurricanes, who have been. And that game was close, kind of until the second half. You beat Nebraska by three. You beat Rutgers and you beat, you beat, yeah, and you beat Indiana. Like, again, it it, t- it takes a shitload of credit to become 7-0. I don't want to, you know, take away what they've done. But sure. you're, playing, you're playing the best team you faced all year now who has to have somewhat of an offense and a defense. And I think the main point, in fact, is that Michigan has defense. And, again, you do have a potential, what, what two weeks ago was, a potential Heisman running back. And a wide receiver who is extremely talented, but the guy in her center dictates how all those other players do. And if the quarterback struggles against Rutgers in Indiana, I can't imagine he's going to do that well against Michigan. So I'm taking Michigan for sure. Like that's one of my bets. Like I will take Michigan minus the four and a half, um, gladly in a heartbeat. And I think they take out I think they take down Sparty at home.
0: Yeah, they definitely pass the. Ball on average better, you know, 251 to 189. But you know, you could make the argument that well, both of them can run the shit out of the ball, 200 yards for Michigan State, 253. I think the biggest difference is the pass yards allowed, and like you said, the quarterback. Although in Nebraska, that you know, Michigan State battled with Nebraska all the way to the end, and Rutgers they jumped on them, but Rutgers kind of hung around. Then, of course, they let me down in another game, so I'm kind of pissed off at Rutgers right now. But I'm with you. Um, It will come down to quarterback. uh, Little minor things. I think that uh, McNamara will hit a couple of passes deep, and that'll be the difference, or maybe one or two just big plays. I think they're going to run, 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 and then set up the play action. Um, But I'm with you. I think Michigan will sneak it out. it's an over-under of only yeah about 50, 50 and a half. So um, I could see both teams, yeah, maybe in the 20s. That does kind of make sense, 23-20 or something like that. Um, turnovers, obviously, will be really key in that game. You know, and I, I, I did say there's only two ranked teams when I just set that up, technically the Penn State, Ohio State, or whatever. So what do you, you got to say about your boy here? Old Miss at Auburn. Not an easy place to play, but it's basically a pick em game. Now, according to ESPN's Power <laughs> Football Index, they got Auburn 58.7 to 41.3, like it's pretty basic and easy. Clearly, you know, Old Miss has a better offense. I think it's clear that Auburn has a better defense. What gives in this game? Uh, because it, it, both teams can run the ball. One can stop it a little bit better and really – Defense, you know, offense, defense, who's going to win here?
1: I I can't go against my boy. Um, I and hopefully Corral got uh, a little healed up or whatnot. Um, uh, I mean, it's Auburn at home. Um, Bo Nix actually is doing better this year than people thought. Like the guy's been ripped his whole life, but um, he's actually been playing a little bit better football than I think people expected. What I didn't know, I heard, you know, he actually has two more years of eligibility, which is oh, yeah. mind-blowing. Yeah. Dear Lord. I, well, he I, started I, I as a been,
0: freshman, and then he has a COVID year, technically.
1: Good God. We could have two more years of Bo Nix and Auburn after this. Holy shit. Um, I think we will. So, but the one thing that Ole Miss is doing is Ole Miss has one of the better running games across the country. Uh, aside from teams who are not a uh, triple option like air force or uh, military based teams. So, I mean, obviously you still got the, the flashes, but uh, Ole Miss has run the ball really well. Their receivers have been beat up a little bit. So that's been kind of their MO and again, Ole Miss's defense is by no means elite, but when you have an elite offense and your defense is just at least on average and respectable, you end up winning a lot of games. So I hope my boy Kiffin pulls this one out Um to me, this environment can be no more crazier than Tennessee. Again, that was one of the loudest games I've ever heard. And I'm not saying that Auburn's as uh good as Tennessee or the yeah, Auburn's probably a better team, but again, for environments that, that Tennessee place was a freaking madhouse. Um and you know, so I, I just I feel I think they got the offense to get it done. And I think that the old miss defense will do enough to slow down Bo Nicks and hopefully um Old Miss gets a couple of receivers back or get a little more healthy and I, I just think we have the offense that will be able to outscore Bo Nix, And I think the, well, as you said, although the defenses are not a wash by any means at all, I mean, Old Miss gives up 28 points a game. Auburn gives up 19. So clearly that is a differential of, of, of defensive talent. I think uh Kiff finds a way to pull it out and this would be another big win again for that small backdoor chance that Old Miss maybe can hang in there for a, a big title game. So yeah. Um, I, I can't I can't pick against my boy Kiff, and I can't do that.
0: couple of reasons why. First of all, you're looking ahead way too far. Buddy. Oh, you're I, know. I know. Way too far ahead. And I think Elaine is too. I think he's already raising his hand in a couple of weeks for a play he's going to call. You know what I mean? That's what I think. Sure. Uh, but I'm glad you said that about Bo because we've given him plenty of shit. He deserved a lot of it, but he's been playing sure. good this year. And, um, you know, now that I am going to pick Auburn for a couple of reasons, part of it is just a rivalry going on, you know, right now, uh, with this old miss bullshit and Kiffin, you know, but some of it is, you know, Bo Nix has proven something this year, a little bit more to me. Now, like I said, now that I pick him, he's going to lose, but I think defense is the key. I think they're going to just be able to make him kick a field goal or, you know, that type of thing. Um, and I got Auburn, winning at home protecting home field advantage real quick before we get into wisconsin iowa and a couple other games um baylor texas i think is a really kind of a, a, a flip of the coin um can penn state stay under that 18 and a half or even a banged up clifford you think it's like nah they're they're gonna get beat like that ohio state's just been on you know, a, a mission offensively and defensively, but especially offensively
1: since taking that
0: L to Oregon.
1: I think Ohio State's kind of just in that mode where they just roll through everybody. Um, normally Penn State, though, does play them pretty tight. I mean, that normally always is kind of like a fun seven o'clock ABC um, out Penn State game. But you're coming off a nine overtime loss. Your quarterback is beat up. Um, you're not quite as good as a regular Penn State team is, and Ohio State is rolling with that younger quarterback and find their mojo. And again, it's not a whiteout at Penn State either. It's actually at Ohio State at 6:30 at night, so you don't even get your home venue. Um, I think that point spread is spot on. I wouldn't touch it, but I think that that 18 points is probably well deserved. So uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I would lean towards Ohio State if I was to wean, lean one way or another on that game, Chris. As far as point spread. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah. I mean,
0: I'm with you. I think you, you summed it up well. Now, Iowa is technically an underdog at Wisconsin at Camp Randall. If I'm I'm looking at the temperature right now, 58 degrees, partly cloudy. It's an 11 o'clock kick. It's going to be a beautiful day for football. Neither team has good offense, but Iowa has 28 points per game, and Wisconsin's 21.1, which is even worse. Now, they've played tougher teams, I think, you know, overall, potentially. Um, This is a battle of defense, though, too, obviously. I mean, 89.7 is pretty damn good. And a lot of it came in this last Purdue, you know. But 89, this is Iowa's defense. 89.7, they only give up on the ground. But 53.3 is just, wow, that's pretty damn impressive to go along with being able to, you know, they average over 100 more rushing yards per game. So it's kind of interesting here. Like I said, Michigan, Purdue, Notre Dame. There was another game earlier in the year. So just barely of late, I would say. Um, and, and they did get a break in that Penn State game that Clifford got hurt. Uh, and they ended up winning that game. But what says you about this? Are we ready to be like, hey, Mertz is going to win a big game? Um, because he, like I said, he only threw the ball like nine times
1: last week. Oh God. Uh, this is a coin flip, dude. Yes. Yeah. Cause both these quarterbacks aren't that good. Both these defenses are pretty good. Um, I'm going to lean Iowa just because I think they will be obviously focused and pissed off off of that. Oh God, dear Lord. This is holy. Shit. I, this is rough. Yeah. Both, both these defenses are elite. Both the quarterbacks suck. Um, Neither team has a true breakout stud wide receiver. Both have these running backs. This is a true coin flip. Um, But I... Oh, God. It's hard for me to say, Chris, that either Petrus or Mertz is better than each other. Because they both are not good. Uh, (laughs) I will take... That's not a ringing endorsement. I will take Iowa. Just because... Their defense has forced more turnovers this year than Wisconsin. Yes. And so I and I and I think just barely by the lesser of two evils. I think Petrus is maybe a little. Yeah, I don't even know. The I don't know. I'm taking Iowa to win. Both these quarterbacks are trash, but Iowa's defense will force more turnovers than Wisconsin's defense, and I was pissed off off their um, embarrassing loss to Purdue. So. I would yes. gladly take Iowa plus three, and that I'm done talking about that game. I'm picking Iowa, too. I'm going under the 36
0: and a half points, Jeez. the over-under set. I'm going under. I'm going under. It's a nice day out, but I'm going under. Um, I think they'll be pissed off. Plus, I'm willing it to happen because I need Iowa. As a Minnesota Gopher fan, I need Iowa to beat Wisconsin so Wisconsin will have three losses, right? And that will knock them down a notch because right now it's three and one Iowa in Minnesota in that western side of the Big Ten. So therefore, then if we could beat Iowa in a few weeks, as long as they get by Northwestern Illinois, which is you know you still got to play those games, especially in Illinois. Um, then you, then it it, it won't it, if Wisconsin wins, they'd have to beat Iowa and Wisconsin, which is not. Easy to do when we're talking rivalries and all that, but yeah, I'm going under, which is already a crazy, crazy low one. I'm actually going to pick Texas in the upset to beat Baylor on the road. They're four and three. This is the time where Texas just says, "Up, oh, gotcha," and and they beat them uh, in a coin flip game because it's only three point. You know, it's a it's the same kickoff time on ABC as that Iowa Wisconsin. I'm going Texas. Over um, Baylor, I'm also going to go, I'm going to go, I'm thinking about, I'm looking at that Fresno State, San Diego State, on the road, Fresno. I think they may pull the upset. Don't be shocked at Virginia as a two and a half point favorite to BYU pulls an upset there on the road. Oh, wow. SMU Houston, I thought this was next week. This schedule is pretty damn bomb here, dude. What, what are your thoughts on the games I talked about, and also maybe a couple other before we get to the crafty, crappy pick of the week? We got some time, though, because like I said, there is some damn good games flying under the radar.
1: Houston, I've never liked Dana Halverson. I bet against the guy when he was at West Virginia. I don't think he's a great coach at all. I mean, I know the team's okay this year, but anytime I can pick against him in a close game, I will. So I will take SMU, just based off, just, I don't, I don't ever pick Houston because they're a coach. So I'm going to take SMU to win, but that is a huge game for that American conference. Um, SMU is seven and zero, ranked 19th. Houston is six and one at home. And it's a one point uh, Houston spread. So that, that should be a, a, you're right. A very fun game to watch. I feel like that would be on a Thursday or Friday. They've been doing a lot of those um, American weeknight games, but that's six o'clock on Saturday. So Chris, you're right. That's a, that should be a, a tremendous game. Um. Speaking of close spreads, uh, Kentucky, uh, who, again, you upset Florida. You you got your butt kicked against Georgia. Um, Kentucky's a a one-and-a-half point favorite at Mississippi State. That's another good 6 o'clock game. And I would lean towards Kentucky. Um, This whole year, Mike Leach is just – his team has not played that well. I know they're 4-3, and but if you just look at – uh, almost the whole resume of Mississippi State, it's not been consistent. Uh, and you're playing a Kentucky team who's kind of a ground and pound. And Mississippi State, I feel that like he's still trying to get his, his West Coast offense over here. So I would lean towards Kentucky. I think that's a really great value for Kentucky minus one and a half. I agree. And... Uh, what about that? Don't duck that Texas-Baylor game. Oh, Oh, I, again, I, uh, that yeah, I I hate to ever pick Texas because I'm obviously not a pro Texas fan, but I feel that is the whole again. Texas's offense has been playing good. We're still really not that sure about Baylor, um, and again, I don't think Vegas is either because you're only making Baylor minus three at home to a Texas team who's had a. Uh, who had back to back losses that were pretty painful um, see, I, I think i think the the vegas number chris tells you to pick texas um, i mean look at Harris Middle. you beat texas state you beat texas southern you beat ku okay you did beat iowa state by 2 okay but that yep. is, that was before october um you lost to <laughs> oklahoma state you beat West Virginia and beat BYU, so I get, actually they have had their they've they've had their ups and downs. That's fair. You know, I, I actually I can't really I can't discredit Iowa State's win and BYU win. Those were impressive wins. Um, but again, I feel that if this team was more impressive, they would be getting more than just a regular can regular generic home price favorite. So yeah, right. I, I I could see this being this is the week where Texas gets all their stuff back together and. Yeah, and Baylor. Yeah, I'm just I, I'm still, I guess, not entirely convinced on them. So I, I, would, I would never bet Texas, but I would lean towards them to pull off a victory. Um, in this match, my friend. Yes, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. I, even though I hate saying or ever picking Texas, I will follow that idea for this week and probably this week only.
0: And the Pac-12 is like, have a great week. Stink up the joint the next week. UCLA, Utah. Utah comes out with a big game, then they'll lose. They're four and three. Like, that's a pick game. I know it's six and a half points at Utah, and they're tough to beat. I do think they'll win, but ukala could make that thing pretty damn tight down the stretch. Um, ah, man, I want to pick Houston so bad. I, I think I'm going to. This is just an upset week just because there's a lot of pick type games. And then also, you know, Miami, the last three games, they're one and two but they've been all tight games. Now, if they had, you know, King at the quarterback, I'd be more confident in some of these other games and maybe even pull an upset or even with the point spread in this one against Pitt. But I I think they get, you know, the the youngster that they got, a true freshman in there now, or no, it's a retro freshman. He actually looked good this week, um, and you can see why they recruited him. He's a good player and all that. But, you know, obviously we we had our boy King who was, uh, you know, like a dark horse Heisman at the beginning of the year. And uh, so I'm not that confident there, but the nine point spread just because they've been playing teams close, they could somehow do it. Miami's defense is kind of falling apart too this year. It's been a rough year for them. So I'm not that confident. Plus I've been picking all these damn upsets. How about Florida at home, a 14 point underdog? Could Georgia Kind of slip up with the eyes on the prize. I don't know. Um, any other games that you'd like to talk about uh, before we get to the crafty crappy
1: pick of the week? I I don't think that uh, George is gonna slip up. I mean, we've seen this Florida defense get absolutely gashed by LSU, so I just
0: well, yeah, I mean slip it, up and
1: it, lo- and win the it, game, but under the oh script. yeah not, not lose, I, not lose. I, yeah. He, you're right, but even that, I w- I wouldn't go. I mean, Georgia, they have the best defense in the country. You're playing, and they've appeared to be focused this whole time. They have two quarterbacks that can both work for them. I-, I just, I would, I would lean towards Georgia. I just think that that team is playing too well to take a Florida team, who again has really not shown us much this year. Um, maybe that that loss to Alabama, which they thought they had was crippling, right. and they just haven't quite been the same team since, which could have occurred because yeah, you just really haven't got that. Yeah, it just hasn't quite been the same. Um, and speaking of a letdown moment, uh, Iowa State, we did just talk about, they go to West Virginia, and they're a seven-point favorite at West Virginia. That seems too high to me. That uh, seems high. Yeah. Yeah. So that's and, saying about and, 10 points right there. Yeah, that's yeah nice. that that's i uh, yeah no I, I ain't touching on that one that 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 might be a little too much love for Iowa State who has to get and Morgantown normally is a pretty normally pretty difficult place to play. Um yeah. they're lively,
0: that's for sure.
1: And besides that, I think that's but that's you're right. That's actually a really nice slate of a ton of good games that are kind of well on paper. yeah. Um, uh, I guess so you're in for me at night, you got old Miss Auburn. That's at six o'clock, but also Kentucky Mississippi State is at six. Those are two great um, SEC games at the same time, along with SMU Houston. So uh, those are all three of those tip off at six. So that, that's a, that's a great e- uh, end to the evening. I uh, just to look over, we've been getting pretty spoiled with uh, some nice, at least a uh, one good game on Thursday or Friday. Uh, this this week, it's not quite as no. enjoyable. No, because you get Troy, Coastal Carolina. Coast Carolina, it seems like every team they play, they're like a 20-point favorite. Uh, South Florida, yeah. This, the midday week games aren't quite as fun. Um, oh, and looking for another point spread deal. Oh, I know Tulane's record is 1-6, but the game is at Tulane. Cincinnati is a 24-and-a-half point favorite. I would definitely take Tulane. I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but yeah. even though and even though their win-loss record is shitty, Tulane is not a bad football team. They've had a pretty hard schedule. They've played a ton of teams close, and I would never give this Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati's quarterback, 25 points and feel confident betting that. I will take Tulane. If I miss it, I miss it. But that Tulane team should not be a 25-point favorite to a Cincinnati team who's good. I mean, they're number two. I'm not saying they're bad, but... I don't think the one by twenty five in Tulane. Tulane, they always they keep yeah, looking ahead too, you know. And it's an eleven o'clock kickoff. Like there's everything about that point spread streams way, way, way too high. So I would definitely, for my bet of the week, is take Tulane uh with twenty five points and just hope that they play like they normally do and they play people tight. Cause that that point spread, in my opinion, is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I mean they they played SMU hugely. Houston, Old Miss, Oklahoma, a lot of offensive teams. So that that probably explains um, why they give up uh, 42 points a game. But I hear you. I hear you. I actually I think that's a good bet, uh, you know, to, to not lose by that much. All right, let's get on to the crafty, crappy pick of the
1: week. All right, well, I believe um, we're having a couple of people who are some newcomers to the show, which is always nice. We like to... We do have some alumni who appear very often. Uh, but out of the, all the games this week to pick, um, I'm giving you a um, Conference USA matchup. Uh, not on ESPN+, Plus, Chris. Not on ESPN+, Plus, it's on the CBS Sports Network. Uh, being played okay. at the SB Ballard Stadium in Norfolk, Virginia. The La Tech boys are traveling up to face Old Dominion. Um, La Tech is two and five with a one and two conference USA record. Old Dominion is one and six with an O and three conference USA record. The point spread is five, so it's a, it's a little high, but this literally was our our, our best bet today because I didn't want to use Rice for the fourth time this year. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I wanted I wanted to give us some variety because there's only there's only so many times I can say I love Anthony Rendon from my Nationals who. Play college baseball at Rice, so we're 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 giving we're giving Rice a week off because they were <laughs> they were a choice, but we got in a five point spread though, that's re, that's respectable. Uh, Law Tech is packing their bags and traveling east. They're going to the East Coast in Norfolk, Virginia, playing an old Dominion team who is probably looking forward to a win. Um, tickets are twenty nine bucks. Wow, that's actually kind of high for two teams that have combined three wins in eleven games No, in, in shit and. 13 games. Um, what does your gut say on this beautiful mid afternoon? Uh, you call this an appetizer. I, I said that at 6 o'clock, you have a bunch of great SEC football games. Turn on LaTeX and Old Dominion to get yourself ready for uh, the SEC matchups on your uh, 6 o'clock kickoffs. What do you got, brother?
0: Can you Google SB Ballard? Because that's SB Ballard Stadium. And like you yeah. said, me, uh, I
1: don't know what the hell that is.
0: What the ties are. Yeah. Um, so. You know, as far as usually, rush defense is just horrendous. Don't get me wrong; giving up 150 on the ground is not great, but we've seen a lot worse. Now you can see that they, you know, uh, La Tech does give up almost 300 through the air. Uh, that is a major advantage, and it is kind of a run-pass thing. Old Dominion, Buck 70 on the ground—that's pretty solid. Uh, they're only averaging 23; they're giving up 31. Lotsec, a little bit better on offense, 26.6 through the air. They get theirs uh, almost double uh, old dominion, um, but they're giving up 33. They're giving up a little bit more. Um, what I like about, okay. Remember I said this, I said this earlier all year long. We're five and three in this puppy. Okay. Had a three game winning streak, back-to-back losses. It's five and three, all home games all home teams, I should say, all, all eight have been home teams. And every time I've picked the the out, outsider coming in, they've lost. Now something's got to give. Okay. Marshall, something's got to give. I'm slamming it. Okay. I'm slamming the table. I'm going with, for two reasons. One, I just said, you know, there's got to be a road team that wins here. We're, we're in, you know, we're in week nine for Christ's sake. And two, La Tech has a bunch of losses. I mean, this is the crafty, crappy pick of the week. But they barely lost to NC State. They barely lost to SMU. They barely lost to Mississippi State. So I'm going with the Louis, 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 Louis the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. Are there a bunch of Bulldogs down there in? Lu- Louisiana I don't know um but that's who I'm going with La Tech to get us off the road schneid
1: and move to six and three on the season sir okay so to, <laughs> and, and maybe I'm drunk and I don't realize it but to so who the hell the question, is this guy who's so, the stadium guy um after alumnus Barry Kornblatt Donated uh, a three three million dollar donation to ODU. They named the stadium SB Ballard Stadium. So the guy's name was Barry Cornblaw, and they named it SB Ballard Stadium. I don't quite. Well, get they probably the- don't want it to be Corey.
0: But, you know, they probably are like, who the what now? We can't name it this, dude. Let's just let's just do this. But it doesn't. It still doesn't line
1: up. Yeah, I, I got. I, that's I guess that's old Dominion, man. I uh. <laughs> Yeah, you, uh, Old Dominion played their final game on, uh, Foreman's original stadium after. Yeah, I got Google. If Google don't know, uh, all right, let's just move nothing. on. Let's move on. Yeah. All right. Okay. So for the alumni battle, actually, it's not, it's not too bad of a week, actually. Last week was pure trash, but thank you to the alum, uh, the Instagram all that helped us win. Um, this year, old, this week, Old Dominion famous alumni, uh, Justin Verlander. Okay. That's a respectable name. Yeah. Kent Bazemore. A current Lakers guard. Um, Oliver Prunell, that was a Big East coach. I love Big East basketball. That guy was coaching there last year. Um, Nancy Lieberman um, and Ann Donovan were the first two names, actually above Verlander, which I would politely disagree with. Um, we then on the second page, then it gets tough. Oh boy. Uh, I'm seeing a bunch of people who are athletes or, or in politics, and I have no idea who they are at all. Third page. You want to name uh, some of them though? No, I might. Okay. Um, we have a a uh, black and white basketball photo of Dave Dave Twardzik. Uh there <laughs> is the a Jody a Jody Rell in politics at Thelma Drake. Okay, You're right. You're right. Uh yeah, it, it dropped it dropped after the top three famous alumni, it dropped off fast. Uh, yeah. Okay. So moving on to La Tech famous alumni, uh, Terry Bradshaw, uh, Carl Malone, uh, kick, kick Brooks from Brooks and Dunn uh, Phil Robertson, the guy, I believe from duck dynasty, uh, Paul Millsap, a a great NBA player, uh, Willie Rofe who's a lineman, uh, trace Atkins. They have, they have a couple of really good country singers, uh, Cheryl Ford. Wow. PJ Brown, a former Miami heat center. Uh, then a bunch of politicians who I do not know, and Tim or tay Uh, yeah, th- this definitely goes to Latex. So hey, look at this again. Um, we're on the same side for alumni battle and your pick, and um, with that's what worked for us last week too, brother. So this is not scripted. This is just spur of the moment. We got so. I, I like I like this. I'm taking La tech. I'm going with you. I'm joining. Um so yeah. Let, let's get another get another dub in the crafty craft pick of the week. And on that note, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As always for listening. We appreciate the support. We're getting very close into the year where we start to where the wins and losses ratchet up because we'll soon start having a, a political argument over who should be the top four. And in a year where we normally always have, well, you got to put in Bama, you got to put in uh, Clemson. We we don't got that this year. Bama is by no means a shoo-in. I mean, it could be, but they lost to a quarterback who is a back quarterback from Jimbo's team. So this year, I think it will be very interesting to see this final four and, you know, who is in the top six. Like, it's going to be a little more entertaining than we're used to. So on that note, um, the the podcast will only get more fun and more dramatic as we go. So, as always, stay safe. Wear a mask if you have to. The boys are out tonight. Peace. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo when we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.